that. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, we have these Zoom calls kind of booked in weekly. Um, it's Groundhog Day again talking about another defeat. Should we just talk about something else this week? Yeah, I think so. Um, set up with Bath now. Somerset won. Should we, <laughs> should we talk about that? Um, now, unfortunately, as Bath we plug, we do have to talk about Bath. It's in the name. Um, and we're delighted this week to be joined by special guest, friend of the podcast, just about topping Will Muir, who we had on a couple of weeks ago. Um, Andrew, uh, who's been on a couple of times before. It's great to see you, mate. Yeah, good to be back, guys. Thanks very much for the invite. Finally recovered from my hangover from whenever me and Gabriel last met. Um, found my phone, which I left on the train, and fully recovered, back to be on the pod. Yeah, it's good to see you. Good to have some um, some fresh opinions on Bath, I think. Uh, we, we thought that it was nice to get you know another fan on, um, because I think that we found that talking about these, these crushing, not even close defeats, um, does come quite difficult. So Andrew bringing new energy, uh, the new signing, the Danny Cipriani in the building. Uh, me and Tom gonna gonna learn off Andrew like Orlando Bailey, hopefully you will from Tom, uh, from from, from Tom? Danny, <laughs> not from you. Um, <laughs> Gil, so on on the podcast today, we're going to talk about the the Bristol defeat. Um, briefly, briefly, yeah, emphasis on briefly. Um, talk about the first half. <laughs> talk about the first half. Um, also talk about kind of where Bath go for for the rest of the season. Uh, four games left, obviously top four out of the question and, and knocked out of Europe. So, so what we've got to take from these next four games. Uh, Elliot Stoops off, we're going to touch on that and then briefly touch on our game against Sale on Friday night. Um, before we get into it, just make sure you are following us on social media at Bath Rugby Plug and you are subscribing, uh, reviewing and getting in touch with us with your thoughts. You now, Andrew got in touch with us with his thoughts and it brought him all the way to the podcast. So um, look what it can do for you. Get in touch with us. And, and we'll start with you, Andrew. Uh, another disappointing defeat on, on Sunday. Um, Saturday. Was it Saturday? Yeah, on Saturday, sorry. Um, what, what's your kind of overriding thoughts uh, 24, 48 hours after after the game? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously massively disappointing about losing uh, the game against West Country rivals. But I do also find it hard to be really too invested in the game. I think had you told me probably before the result that Bath would have lost by 20 points, I probably wouldn't have been too surprised, to be honest with you, especially looking at the starting lineups. Um, and also kind of the, the recent form of the teams. Um, and also, I think, I don't know if you guys felt the same, but kind of going into the game, I maybe wasn't feeling as excited or as pumped for a West Country derby as I had before. Kind of think the Montpellier game knocked the stuffing out of me a bit. And I think also, based on the second half, also the players as well, because it was a bit of a jaded and, and um, quite strange performance from the boys in the second half, I think. Yeah, Tom, did you kind of have those pre- Derby butterflies that you normally would, or, or, or is Andrew right? Was it's the Montpellier game really kind of taking the air out of the season a bit? I think we, we mentioned it last week. You know, the, the loss to Montpellier and then successive loss to, to Wasps kind of ended our season in 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 eight day period. You know, Europe and obviously the top four in the Premiership being the you know the two things that we we'd spoken about. So yeah, it, it was tough to get to get as up for it. I think um, when you don't necessarily have anything else to play for, but but pride. And I think you know, albeit Bath started pretty well and and got ahead on the on the score sheet, 
it did have that feel of inevitability about it that you know once Bristol mm. found their rhythm they'd be they'd be a little bit too much for for our defense um, and that we wouldn't be able to kind of uh, continue the the pressure that we were trying to put on them down the, the full 80 minutes and it materialized I think exactly how certainly I and a lot of other Bath fans feared so yeah left feeling pretty kind of um, pretty kind of hollow after that, um, particularly losing to, to Bristol. I think it's always the, the toughest the toughest loss. Um, but yeah, as Andrew says, not surprised at all, sadly. Well, we're getting used to these these Bristol losses, aren't we, lads? Which is pretty tough to take. And like a cursory glance at the table, which I did this evening before looking, and kind of it was just a glance before I turned my phone off because they're flying high and, and kind of Bath, Bath are not. Do you think we did play well, Andrew, in that first half? Because I know we were 15 nil up. But was it Bath playing well or, or, or was Bristol inaccuracies kind of to, 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 to blame for them, I guess, being 15-0 down? I think, you're, I think you're right. I think it's more their inaccuracies than us playing really, really well. Um, I think what was, what was quite interesting is, um, you know, the way that we actually got the luck of the ball and the luck of the draw with that Watson try early on. That's something that's not really happened to us at all this season. It feels like every 50-50, every moment of that's maybe gone against us a little bit. So... Uh, it's quite interesting, you know, seeing one of those things go our way finally. And, you know, the the intercept by Priestland as well, maybe did feel lucky, but actually he's done that a couple of times from memory so far this season. And it's actually a pretty good part of his game. So, you know, I think you can say a bit of luck and we probably deserved a bit of it as well, uh, following what's happened the last couple of weeks. But, you know, once Bristol got that try later on in, in the first half, it kind of felt as if, do you know what, that's quite a good moment for them. And they kind of went in and I think, was it, 36 or sorry 26 unanswered points mm. from that moment you know just I think says it all really about you know how the heads dropped and it's what it's what those top teams do I've spoken a few times about it I, I genuinely think we're almost better when we concede a few tries early doors <laughs> and we're chasing the game because we don't know how to close out a game and we, we don't have to we don't have to chase a game though that well well when you look at our really good <laughs> results over the last couple of seasons we have it's from when we've, we've we've kind of come from behind and got back in the game I mean albeit sometimes they disappear off into the distance as we've seen but I was looking back at some of the the fixtures and you know Exeter who are probably the other top team in the premiership at the moment as much as that pains me to to, to say it, you know, in, in the, the, the Exeter's win at, in March, we were 16-0 up and Exeter then scored 38 unanswered points to win 38-16. <laughs> um, and, you know, we we just weren't able to to answer back when Bristol kind of brought the pressure in that what, second half. What do you yeah. put that down to? Because, you know, that's just not good enough, is it? Yeah, I think we were, we were quite lucky in the first half. You know, if, if, a, if a forward pass, you know, was, was flat, um, I, th- I think it was a forward pass, but that could have easily been a, a try if the offload was, was slightly differently timed. Um, there was another opportunity right at the start of the game where Bristol um, messed up the opportunity and, and probably should have scored. And then our tries were quite, quite sketchy. I do think, though, that we were doing some things well, or at least better in the first half. You know, I thought our pressure on Callum Sheedy was mm. was really good, and it was um, it wasn't really enabling him to get the take the ball to the line and, and get it out to those kind of wide runners, which is where we were struggling defensively. But Max Clark had had you know probably his best forty minutes I've seen in quite a long time badgering Callum Sheedy, and obviously the the the, the two flankers uh, Reed and Bayliss kind of stood out yet again. So I think we we, we pressured them well. Um, Pat Lamb actually said on commentary that they made a simple adjustment just to drop um, Callum Sheedy a bit deeper 
um, and then have the guys kind of lying outside him a little bit flatter so that it was easier for him to get the ball and to kind of spread it in, you know, out wide to those to those players. So I think that simple adjustment meant that our kind of tactics of swarming him uh, stopped working and it, they were able to get to the outside shoulder a bit more. So yeah. Actually, that's um, quite an interesting point. You know, I think one thing that's really stood out to me this season is probably um, how we seem to have a plan. And as I think we all know from our working lives, you know, no plan survives first contact. And it seems that Bath's plan is we have plan A and if plan A doesn't go so well, plan, a, plan B is to do plan A better and there's nothing really else. And I think, you know, we're lacking that tactical and strategic flexibility within the game. Um, and I think that's just something that, you know, Bristol and, and you know, Pat Lamb especially have done quite well throughout the season. I think you're, you're right to point that out, Tom, and, and something that, you know, I think was really clear in the second half is those adjustments oh, yeah. really made a big difference to the way that Bristol played. And you add that on top of the way that they were counter-rucking their physicality and, and dominance in, in the scrum as well. And it's just like, you know, what are, what are Bath doing to change the game? Where, where are the things that we can do as a team to, to make those amends? And it, it kind of feels like we either don't have the ability to do it or there is no, um, this kind of no game plan or, or anything the players can, can fall back to as part of muscle memory or, or, or a plan to, to really use uh, to, to counter. Yeah, and I do think that that, that kind of lack of, I, I guess, lack of leadership and just lack, lack of game awareness and, and, and in-play tactics. We've seen that. That's England's main problem under Eddie Jones. And I think we do see that with Bath. I think we see that once something starts to go wrong, it unravels so quickly and it just all it all unravels. And, and we really struggle to kind of yeah. calm the game down, get through the difficult period and then kind of reassert ourselves either, you know, with the same game plan or kind of adjusting and, and kind of doing that. And, and, you know, we spoke at length about that last week, Tom, when, when we spoke about the Montpellier game and kind of bashing our heads against the walls continuously against a huge Montpellier pack didn't work uh, and kind of we weren't able to adjust offensively. Uh, in this game against Bristol. Yeah, it's an analogy that you've used in the past, year. It, it feels like a very precarious game of Jenga when you know that if if a piece is pulled out by someone at the wrong place, it's going to come tumbling down and Bristol were able to kind of shift the emphasis of what they were doing and we just completely com- completely fell apart. And I think the other point that you mentioned, Andrew, around the scrum, if we were going to beat Bristol in that game, we needed to execute our tactics, you know, our specific tactics, so swarming Callum Sheedy, um, getting the guys, uh, Reed and Bayless, to compete as hard as possible at the breakdown, trying to hold on to the ball, not to give them a counter-attacking um, opportunity. We needed to do those things perfectly. And we certainly need to get our foundations perfectly. You know, the scrum's been a bit on and off, but generally has been an area of strength overall in our game. So when you, you know, when that starts going to pot and when, you know, um, five or six to, to nil scrum penalties, you just you're just digging your own grave because it gives Bristol the field position they want. Um, it, it, psychologically, it's 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 all the hard work that you put in in that first half. It just kind of evaporates in front of you um, and it, it just makes it impossible, really. So those fundamentals, really the set piece as uh, in general, I mean, the line-out functioned a little bit better, but that was only really because we're throwing front, front man every time. And when you throw front man, it's so much easier to defend them all because the opposite opposition team can use the best best defender in the world, which is the touchline, and just get you out of get you out of play. So, you know, a scrum was taken away, driving more was taken away, um, and that really, as I say, um, and yeah. ended the comp- yeah. for us. And that's our that's our plan A. And then, as you said, Andrew, perfectly, I think, and that's our plan A better. And I think we. <laughs> 
I think our real issue this season, I think we've built a game plan so evidently on set piece and power. And that game plan is hinges so crucially on two people. And we've built that game plan because we think we've got two of the best props in the league. And I think we do have two of the best props in the league, Abano and Stewart. But I think as soon as they go off, the drop off from those guys to what's below is mind blowing. And you see it every week. And there is no there's no way that we can. There's no way that we can then go, oh, so we haven't got Stuart and Abano. Therefore, the game plan that we came up with, the kind of the whole philosophy was based around these guys being at their best. Now they're not on there. So let's adapt and let's now utilise our other strengths, which on there on, on, on Saturday yeah. was probably our backs. And, and we just are unable to do that. And when you pin something so heavily on two guys, particularly forwards who are, you know, often having to go off, often injured and they've been away with England. I think that's kind of where our, our, our season has unravelled. So spectacular. And, you know, someone like Ben O'Bana only ever plays 60 minutes, it seems like. Yeah. you know, And you need to make sure they have quality options off the bench. And I think Schumann's had a really tough couple of weeks. Um and, you know, I don't know what Jamie Barty's done, but he did pretty well in the Six Nations for Scotland. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see maybe it's the fact that he's only a, a temporary signing or, or whatever, um, but the fact that he's not really got much more game time. But, you know, it's been a real, um, I should say, a real drop-off from uh, Abano and Stewart coming off to, to what then kind of comes onto the pitch. Yeah, there. And, well, and I think just lastly on this, I think, you know, target number one for, for everyone in the UK in the summer is to get away. Target number one for Stuart Hooper should be in, like zone in on two props that are good enough to play to start because the ones we have at the moment, unfortunately, I don't, I don't, I don't think are. Yeah, and the, the exception is probably Lewis Boyce, who we've not seen. Yeah, um, and he, I think he, he's, he's got what it takes. I think he, he's, he's a very good operator. Um, assuming that his, you know, his injury hasn't, hasn't set him back significantly. I think the other thing is, trying to assume against Carl Sinclair is a mismatch. The the narrative of the scrum meant that we were conceding penalty after penalty. So make it as easy as possible for him if you're Hooper or Hatley when he's on the final warning and we're camped on our line. Oh, take yeah. him off. Jamie Batty's warming up. Get yeah. that <laughs> substitution made. And the referee will say, oh, you're still on a team warning. But the reality is he'll give Jamie Jamie Batty a couple of goes um, against against Sinclair. So they they you know it was so inevitable and we were watching the game and it was together and we said at the time gee that it's so inevitable the next one's a yellow card penalty tries it turned out as well just get Jean Schumann off make his life a bit easier because yeah. ultimately there's we you know we can we can blame him but there's nothing he can do in that situation wow. he can't do it he can't push any harder so just make the change and I, again that's that's the adaptability point top coaches make that change and mm. and uh, and unfortunately we are not that at the moment. Yeah, and about you, it kind of feels like for me that you know last season it felt like we kind of found something, um, and you know this season it kind of feels like you know we've almost have this supercar in our back line which we've not been able to really tap into, and we kind of lost the keys on the starting line almost. It's like you know we're, we're kind of going with this game plan which doesn't really fit um, the the construct of our squad. Um, and I, I'm finding it really hard to get my head around because you know as you say like. We know the the issue with Schumann going up against Sinclair probably before the match started, right? So why are we going in with the same game plan that we've had week in, week out? And I think, you know, you can only really look at what's going on behind the scenes as, as to why they, they thought that was a good idea, you know, because it's it's crazy. I think anyone could have seen it happening. And I think, I think you're right. You look at the construct of our squad and you think, OK, fantastic. They've got 
you know, arguably one of the best back rows in, in the country, you know, almost in the world, and some extremely exciting backs. And then you look at the, the, the kind of construct of our coaching staff, and Gervin Dempsey aside, who's just MIA, they're all kind of forwards. forwards and I yeah. think I think that, that 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 really needs to be addressed in the summer as well. There needs to be more of an emphasis on trying to trying to kind of trying to use use the backs that we've got and, and the attacking players that we've got. Um, and I think hopefully Danny Cipriani might kind of help with that. I think additional backs coach. Yeah, effectively. Well, one backs coach would be nice. Like it doesn't feel like we've got we've got any of them. I'm taking Charlie's normal role of, of, <laughs> of saying, but I think, yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. I think such a key moment in the game was, was on the 33rd minute when, when Stuart goes off for the HI and obviously never returns. And I just don't understand, Tom, you explain this to me. Why, if someone goes, Stuart goes off for a HIA, surely that means that there's been head contact. So surely there's, there's, there's head contact in the tackle from Atwood. You don't really get a good view of it, but like, I don't understand that someone can go off for HIA, not return, and yet the incident's not looked at. And then often we'll see red cards like guns in the second half when there's clear contact to the head, <laughs> yeah. but there's no HIA and he doesn't go off, and it's a red card. I just don't understand that consistency. Yeah, there's, it is really inconsistent. I mean, there are obviously other ways that you could you could get become concussed. Um, you know, you, you, impacting a normal tackle could um, could cause you like some kind of jolting action that would make you concuss. You could fall on the floor and hit your head in the in the act of a tackle or yeah, a ruck or whatever. So there are ways it happens. But I agree. Like you see these red cards and and people getting getting you know hit with force and all the terminology that they they use. And then guys just crack on. Yeah. And I, I, I yeah, it, it, it seems it's frustrating because you just don't see that that consistently that consistency through the through the whole process. And you know there are independent doctors and, and and that kind of thing obviously looking at this the whole time and they know far more than us but it is it is frustrating it feels like it's it's mm. kind of weird kind of perversely more of an art than a science when these guys go for HIAs and and, and that doesn't seem that it should be the case yeah did you guys actually see that that incident by the way um and what happened did you know you? How, how did Stuart do it was it a yeah, so it's, so it's kind of like he carried and Atwood's kind of upright and it looks it looks like it's shoulder on sort of Stuart's upper upper body, but you only get the angle behind Stuart. And obviously it was literally after that tackle that he stayed down. So I don't know whether we just didn't have a good angle or or, or you're right, it could have been in the in the um in the act of falling or whatever, but it just seemed a bit strange. And then obviously Tom Dunn, uh red card. Tom, we can have no complaints given what what we know, but I feel so sorry from there because it's so difficult when you're in in the it's in the act of a tackle. He's coming in. There's a there's another tackle. I think it was Charlie Yules who was there, and he can't really wrap his arm round. The guy's obviously driving with his head head down, and he he obviously just makes contact with his head in that kind of almost more of a maul and, and or the kind of the completion of a tackle. And what frustrates me is obviously that is clear and obvious in terms of it's on camera and it's, it's there for all to see but those kind of impacts happen probably five or ten plus times in kind of close quarters you know a pick and go situation when guys are um a kind of nose in the in the dirt and trying to kind of trying to get over the the whitewash and obviously because there's so many bodies around there and it's in close quarters these things don't get picked up and it's it's kind of seen to be a harder area of the game so that's really frustrating and again we've we've come out on the wrong side of a unfortunate yellow card a red card I mean you know you can't argue with it but it was it was still unfortunate and 
when the scrum's going backwards as it was to 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 have to be a man down, Bristol took the scrum straight away from the penalty as well to to get us us a, a man down on the back line, and then it was it was all too easy. And I think that did make the scoreline potentially flatter them a little bit as yeah. well. Do you think do you think Andrew that there's, there's, there's an issue we need to look at with uh, the number of cards that we're picking up and you know we always seem to be saying that we're getting these kind of red cards which by the letter of the law are red cards but sort of we feel unfortunately you know done uh, the ones in London Irish spring to mind and then Abano against um, against Wasps I think I think we actually lead the league in in number of cards is that is that I mean clearly it's an issue but is it an issue we can resolve it has to be right, and and we can't continue tackling in the heights that we're tackling in the ways that we're tackling, and keep on getting yellow cards and red cards because we're going to throw games away, and we're going to throw points away. So things have to change. And uh, you know, same as you guys, I really do sympathise with Tom Dunn in this scenario. There's, what can he do? You know, does he just let things happen, or does he go so low that he almost gets a knee in the head and knocks himself out? You know, it's it's really tricky for for players in certain scenarios um, to. To, to improve but I think it's just the way the game's going now you know it is it's, it's not that it's brainless in a way but it is on his part probably something which he, he knows straight away what's going to happen and I think it was the same for Abano as well and the guys know about that I know things are quick but just you know go a bit lower in your tackle just you know work on that in training and it is hard sometimes for guys that are made like Benno to, to really bend down you know that that quickly and, and reset their tackle height but it's, it's needed um other teams are doing it and if they're doing it successfully it's being trained out of their game then, then so can Bath yeah I, I think with the with the done incident in the weekend I think he just has to I mean the tackle's already been completed so I think he just has to kind of back off and allow a tackle be completed and just get himself in the line I'm just laughing there Andrew because Abano struggles to get down because of his hefty weight. I think you're struggling to get down at the moment because uh, increasing age and back issues. So uh, <laughs> that'll be your issue. <laughs> you, play, you played on Saturday. Um, well, the blaming, the Jesus. Like, huh? <laughs> 2033. <laughs> um, uh, uh, we're blaming Dunn and we're blaming kind of, you know, lack of adjustments and, and drop off in front row. I actually think I might be to blame for, for, for bathing bad. <laughs> I genuinely think I might be. So I think I mentioned on last week's podcast that I had to work on, on Saturday. And um, so I was following the game uh, at work, uh, kind of first half, getting regular updates from you, Tom. And you were saying, yeah, we're playing really well, 15-7 up. I genuinely turned on on the 44th minute. And I don't think we touched the ball for 15 minutes. I, and that sounds like an exaggeration, but I honestly don't think we touched it. The first thing I saw was Morahan drop it over the line. And from then on, it was about 15 minutes, the most one-way traffic I've ever seen. And I genuinely think that if I turned off, if I don't watch Friday, we'll, we'll win at a canton. It'll be great to watch. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, so frustrating when uh, you come back and you watch the, the 35 minutes uh, of complete Bristol dominance. But, um, yeah, frustrating one, boys. Yeah, I think the only other point I'd make on the game is, um, yeah, I mentioned them a couple of times, but Reed and, and Bayliss are quickly becoming an absolute force. I mean, you think of kind of famous famous duos, um, you know, Tom, Tom and Jerry, um, oh, <laughs> Torben and Dean, Morecambe and Wise. They are, they're, they're well up there for me. I think they are, <laughs> Gabriel. they are, they are becoming an absolute force. They complement each other so well. Reed so good over the over the ball and um and 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 kind of in in the defensive line. And then Bayless is just kind of he's always so 
he's always the first man to drop on a ball. He's always scrabbling around and just fighting for that extra extra inch. And I think that both of them have really improved their their carrying game as well. So, are, I, I, are they, sorry, Tom, but are they too similar to to work in a back row long term for for Bath? I don't think so. I think you know you, you'd look at the England back row and, and you could potentially say that that Curry and Underhill are similar in some ways, both physically dominant. Both can can carry effectively, both line out options as well. Um, Curry better over the ball. I think Reed is definitely better over the ball than 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 Josh Bayliss, maybe being a little bit shorter. Um, and and Stockier helps in that regard. But I think I think they they complement each other really mm. nice. And, and you've got to remember that they're they're still fairly young, so they're going to kind of adapt and and evolve into um, into kind of you know um, more specialised players in in certain areas as well. But I you know I, I kind of see a, a Reed probably at open side and, and Bayless maybe at blind side is kind of a really, really good option Kutzier, going forward. here at eight yeah. when he comes in. Well, and that's the thing, like, I, I tweeted this and I think it got quite a few kind of responses that from, from people that were agreeing with me. Like, you've got those two young guys really putting their hands up and, and being the standout guys in, in that game, really. Um, and then, and then you know, Toby Falatau, who has just been announced as as Lions number eight, he will start as Lions number eight. And sometimes with Falatau, we see him, you know, have amazing games, and we think, oh, that's why we we're paying the big bucks. That's why he's there, and it's it's worth it for when he does that. But he's so inconsistent for Bath. He like that he just goes missing for for games, and it tends to be those games where we need him most. And I I, I just was really disappointed that. He didn't. He didn't kind of put his hand up a little bit more. You know, he gave away a couple of penalties in our own half. The the second of which led to that Bristol try before half time, which which kind of shifted the momentum. And then we had the ball in the second half. I think the first time in their twenty two, and he was stripped of it, and um, it looked all too easy. And I, yeah, I know he's a class player, and that's why it frustrates me because I I know that he could be more consistently performing better. Six meters all games, didn't he? Go on, Andrew, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, he made six metres all game. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> that is terrible. He was metronomic in defence, though. So, you know, it, it depends what we want and how we set the team up. You know, he's not really as good ball in hand as, you know, Mercer is. You know, mm. think of how many tries that Mercer has scored, you know, however many metres away from the line. And, and Falatau, he's a great player, but he's just, he's not cut from the same cloth as Murphy in the way that they play. Obviously, he's a great player, but I just think that is he the right fit for Bath in terms of the way that he plays? And look, maybe he is with the fact that we're setting up with pretty much a forward-based game. And it seems like we want to forward in every position these days. But, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's, it's frustrating, well, sure. I think with Reed and Bayless, I think you you outlined their attributes well, Tom. But I think what they probably need to work on most and what, what their their game is maybe lacking from being like, you know, top, top premiership back rows is that carrying game so I think you need to balance that then in the back row with someone like Mercer or you know hopefully someone like Valatau but yeah been in the club since 2016 yeah and that should be his game he should be he should he shouldn't be I don't think his game is to do all the heavy lifting in defense and you know he's he's a he's a big big physical guy don't get me wrong but he's not a monster he's not smashing people He's actually can sometimes look quite passive in defence, to be honest. And he can look like he's out on his feet when it when it gets into close quarters. Where he's good is where he can get on an outside shoulder, give an offload, put a chip through, and and just mm. you know when we've seen him perform at his best. Think back to the the first clash against Leicester mm. when he was just dominant, and he just looks like a different different kettle of fish. But it's it's probably happened fewer than ten times for Bath, mm. and yeah. he, that's just not enough 
a good enough return on investment in, in my view. And, you know, he may be a better player on his day than Zach Mercer, but on average, if you look across their careers for Bath, Zach Mercer has been the more effective number eight. And that's reflected in the fact that when they were both available, Mercer's been the preferred option, despite the fact that he's leaving. So I was, I was disappointed and he'll go and tear up for the Lions of South Africa. Yeah, but I bet, I bet he I want, well. Why can't he? I just wish he would do it for Bath more often. Anyway. Same. A couple of points from me, just just kind of not necessarily on the game, um, but just, you know, additional to the game, I guess. And I think one positive, one unfortunately negative. Start with a positive. Luke Pierce is exceptional. Mm. I personally I think the best ref in the world, certainly the best ref in the land. I was so impressed with with, with his performance on, on Saturday. And I think you know, he referees now some of the big the big games and often the most entertaining games. And I think that's a credit to, 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 to Luke Pierce. He was fantastic. He gets on with it as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. No nonsense, makes his decisions, often doesn't take on. back chat. Like a couple of times the Bristol and, and the um uh urine was um Uren, Uren, um was um back chatting quite a lot and yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and, and and the, the, the second one slightly negative is um the, the BT commentary is so bad. Oh, um, not again. We can't do this again. <laughs> it is so bad. And please, if anyone from BT is listening, I don't care if you don't if you don't work on the sports side, if you just work for BT, can you get the message that we really want a non-commentary? Still sound, but non-commentary option. I'm available on... Um, I'll do uh, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll definitely do it. For a, for a um, not insignificant fee, but, you know, <laughs> maybe a bit partisan in the, in the West Country derbies. I, I just think, like, just get more people in your in your team because otherwise, like Ugo and Lawrence, have to do like three games a weekend, and it's like they obviously can't prepare. Clearly, can't prepare very well for the games. So just give them one game a weekend maximum, one game a weekend, and then it'll be fantastic. And just get like twelve pundits, and they can do each one game, and it'd be brilliant. I don't understand why they can't do that. Got paid for it. Yeah. Well. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on, boys. Very disappointing. Um, Andrew, we've not had you on for uh, a few weeks. I wonder if you could give us, I think you know, one of the reasons we, we got you on this time um, is that you sent us a, a message to our uh, inst- Instagram account, um, <laughs> hand. Which, which was passionate, to say the least. Um, I went then to reply to it and you'd since deleted it. So um, clearly there's some fire burning, Andy. I don't know if you're feeling the same on Monday night as you were when you when you hit send on that text. But um, yeah, I just wonder what your thoughts were generally about what's been, you know, undoubtedly now a pretty disappointing season. Yeah, there was fire and soda burning in my belly when I sent that message. So uh, <laughs> after rereading it, um, it looked like it's written by a five-year-old. So I, I had to uh, delete it. I was going to resend, and the weekend got away with me. Um, but yeah, I guess um, that the thing for me is like, you know, I think you can justify bad results um, and everything that terrible is going on with Bath and we see on week in, week out, if we're seeing good process. And by that, I mean, like, everything from player recruitment to playing style, player management. Um, and, you know, is that going in the right direction? Are we playing a, black, a brand of rugby and are we bringing in the players? And do we feel the team are buying into it? And there's just something I feel about Bath at the moment that just isn't clicking. And I'm not too sure what it is. And, and the thing that really frustrates me is, is that we have an embarrassment of riches in our team. Like, on paper... We should be greater than the sum of our parts. So look at the resources we have. Look at the team that we've got, you know. Um, and a team like Bristol 
have come up into the league and they've done amazingly well. But look what they've done with a manager like or a DOR, sorry, like Pat Lamb and their team. You know, I just can't understand how Bath are consistently in this position. And it's really frustrating me, to be honest. And I don't know whether it's a change through the core of the club or whether it's, you know, to do with Hooper right now. But, you know, it's, it's very frustrating. And to, to see this season after season um, is, is really annoying. I thought last year we were actually making some progress. And I kind of had a lot of belief going into this season, but seeing how we performed and, and taking not just one step back, but two, three, four steps back in, in you know, very much the wrong direction um, has made me really trust that, like, do I believe in this process and do I believe in the project where it is today? And I'm starting to think that I don't. And I don't know if you guys have seen, I'm sure you have. I think a lot of Bar fans are feeling pretty similar, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's good that you've kind of come on and expressed that because I think, you know, I think, I think that's right. And I think it's almost... It's almost like we've got to take a step back. Like this season has flown by. Like it's just like it's been week after week after week after week. And I think the optimism that we had coming into this season, you know, there really was a lot because of the way we played post lockdown. We were the best team in the league, and we had a lot of optimism. The kind of the season's pretty much what it is gone for Bath now. And if you kind of look back now, we're going to come what seventh is probably the best we can do. Maybe sixth. You know, lose a European semi-final and, and and kind of, you know, arguably lose, you know, going for into next season. Our, our most impressive performer this season. Like, I think because this season seems to have gone so quickly because we've had game after game after game. It's just been on to next week, on to next week, on to next week. If you actually look back now, this is without question been a down in in in, in since since last season. I think you know I think we've gradually improved under in the first two seasons of Hooper, but there is no question that this season we have not improved. Yeah, and you, and you know when you, when you think about it, players come and go, coaches come and go, even you know board members, CEOs come and go. The long term fabric of the club is the fans, and is passing down being a Bath supporter through generations. As as that's the reason I, I'm a Bath fan, and when your nearest rivals are performing in the way they are when Bristol have you know a meteoric rise to, to, to top of the league when Exeter rise from the championship and 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 and, and do what they've done obviously diehard Bath fans like ourselves would never consider that but rugby fans kids growing up in the West Country will look at the relative performances and of, of these play of these teams and will go to Bristol will go to Exeter will make that choice and that that you know, even fans who are casually interested in rugby will just switch allegiances because, you know, Bristol are, frankly, a lot more entertaining to watch right now than us. And that would be a massive, massive shame And if that had a, a long-term impact on the club. Because I think what what you said, Andrew, I think yeah, I think echoes a lot of Bath rugby fans. It's not that we don't have the resources, the players, the money. We've got all that and still we're unable to, to put it together. So... It's a it's a massive problem for for, for the club. Mm. And I, and I, yeah, and I think this coaching staff is, is is kind of I think still still getting to where where it needs to be. And I think I wouldn't change it in the summer, but I think next season is huge. And if we do not see significant progress, then then you know whether it's Hooper, Hatley, Dempsey, um, Charteris, all of these guys oh, will kind I of. I think there will be a change, mate. I, I do. In I, the summer. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I, I mean, Gervin Dempsey is the, is the one. I mean, I mean, like, obviously we don't see what he does in in in. in Isn't that part of the issue? We speak about the fans being so important to the club. Isn't part of the issue? We just we just n- never hear from him. Yeah. We kind of never get that 
kind of you know understanding of what he's about. Maybe a media is relatively you know it's obviously a part of their role, but maybe he likes to keep himself to himself. He, he clearly does, but I like with the demands of of Craig and and the amount of money that's pumped in and the millions of pounds that's lost every year. I just can't see that someone's head won't be on the the chopping block to so, so to speak, and I, I don't think it will be be Hooper, and I, I don't think it will be be Hatley. I mean, he's still relatively relatively new to the the process, and he's proven it at a top level. But I, you know, I think there'll be a big appointment, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's in the in the back division because that's really, if you look at the whole season, that's really where it's not been clicking. They need a strong voice as well. Whoever, if, if the change does happen and who comes in, they need to have a strong voice because I think it's clear right now that, that Hatley and Hooper are, are leading the charge with the game plan. Mm. Yeah. And so I, that and person I think, needs to come in. And I, and I think, you know, it, 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 I don't know whether it's a jump to to say, oh, because he's not got a strong voice in the media, he maybe doesn't have a strong voice in, in the coach. I've got absolutely no, no idea to suggest that. But I think you're right in saying that it does feel as though this is Hatley's vision and, you know, aided by Hooper, certainly. And they're kind of implementing it almost without the input of someone kind of, yeah, with that strong voice. Um, tough. And I never thought I'd say this, boys, on the Bath Rugby plug, but thank God for Gloucester. They were good too. Um, oh, we might have to just pack it all in, Tom, and, and, and put the microphones away. Um, where do we go then, Tom? Four games left this season. Um, top four gone. Top eight, okay. You know, we might get top eight. What What do you want to see? What When we come to the end of the season review, um, what and we've shown something, what do you want to see in the four weeks that will make you, you know, have that optimism or at least have something to, to hang your hat on to go into the off-season? Well, I think it's just it's just the ever um, the, the ever present thing with being a Bath Rugby fan. Just need a little glimmer of hope in these last <laughs> four games. Needs guys to, you know, to step up and to to show that, you know, they're 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 committed to show that despite there's nothing to play for, they're gonna they're gonna try their hardest and to be honest, to look forward to next season, um, the point you made to me before the podcast, to look forward to next season and to get the guys on the field who who are going to be playing for us and going to be kind of shaping the the future next next season. There's going to be you know fairly significant turnover in in key positions. Henry Thomas is is looking to be to be leaving. Um, Christian Judge, Elliot Stook, who will come on to discuss. Um, Will Chudley, Reese Priestland, Zach Mercer, uh, Jesus. Um, and you know, so ultimately, I'll make an exception of Zach Mercer. He can play the last four, but the others, I think the the onus needs to be on giving guys the opportunity now to to to, to get game time. I don't think it'll be the worst thing in the world if we finish outside the top eight, and that may be an unpopular opinion, and it may be pretty close. I mean, we're only two points out of out of ninth now, so um, silverware would be all important for this club, as we've spoken about. But yeah, I just want to see. Some something to to hang my hat on for next season, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't play the guys that are leaving, and I know it's brutal. But I wouldn't play Creason again. I, I I wouldn't play Mercer again, and I and I know it's brutal, but I, I wouldn't. And I think particularly those guys. There's there's guys that are, are, are joining on these kind of extended deals featuring the end of this season in, in Cipriani and Jacko Kutsia, and I don't think it'll be this week. Um, given the, the the short turnaround and, and Friday night game, but I think then we've got the week off when we were meant to be going to Twickenham to beat Leicester in the Challenge Cup. So we've got that week off, and then we play. 
Harlequins, I think, at the stoop. And so I think that will be the week where we see, hopefully see Cipriani, hopefully see Kutsia. And yeah, and I know it's, it is brutal, particularly on, on Mercer and on, on Priestland, who have been, you know, really important guys for us for, for a number of seasons now. I just don't, I just don't want to see them playing. I want to see guys that are there next season playing. Um, you know, I don't want to see Will Chudley play at 21 anymore. We've got Ollie Fox, and that's no slight on Will Chudley. I feel exactly the same about Reese Priestland. Like, it, it, what good is that? Is played that well doing? on Saturday. He did play well on Saturday. He did play well on Saturday. But what good is that doing? Was Will Drink Will Chudley was um, uh, in a Carl Sinclair way responding with disappointment to not being selected? Because <laughs> I was pretty, I was pretty gutted about that. I must admit, gutted for Chudley, <laughs> justice for Chudley. <laughs> yeah, where is his interview, BT? <laughs> Andrew, what do you want to see in the last four weeks? Anything? Um, or should we just, just pack up? <laughs> just, stop here, really. I think, no, I think you guys have said it all really, really well, to be honest. Um, everything I was going to say, you've, you've pretty much covered. Let's, let's bring the guys through that are going to be with us next season. I said it'd be a shame not to see Mercer a couple more times in the bar shirt, but, mm. but really, you know, all we're doing is building up um, his profile and his form to go and play for Montpellier. So let's, let's just focus on who's going to be here for Bath, and try and put together some positive performances, whether they're wins or not, doesn't really matter, but just something looking more like a progression into next season so we have some positive momentum into the break. Yeah, I mean, one thing I can guarantee is on the end of the season podcast, and then on the pre certainly on the pre-season podcast we do next week, uh, next season, Tom, um, I'll be predicting top four and the hope and the optimism will be, you know, like the cider in Andrew's um, veins, fine through my veins uh, come the new season. But that's just what happens. And as always, it's the hope that kills you. One of those guys, Tom, um, who won't be, actually I'll come to you this, Andrew, won't be, uh, their next season is Elliot Stuke off the Wasps uh, after five years at the club. What was your reaction to this news which broke today, Monday? Um, uh, I don't know about you, I've seen the rumours for quite some time, so I wasn't really massively surprised that, that he was going, but I'm disappointed that he's leaving. You know, he seems like a really good character. He was a big part of our kind of run into the playoffs last season um, and seems to be, you know, uh, a player which is on the fringes of the England team. And that's that's something that you want in your side, you know, being considered uh, to go into the England team, but not quite there, can be there week in, week out, putting in really, really good performances. And, and I'm gutted that he's going, to be honest. And I'm not too sure, you know, who we're going to replace him with. And it also leaves us quite tight in that lock position, really, doesn't it? You know, with, mm. with his departure. So definitely some, some um, uh, recruitment and, and refreshing required in, in that position as we go into next season. But... That nothing but fair enough to the guy. He always puts his hundred percent into every game. Um, you know, I think he, he did okay at the weekend. You know, in a pretty struggling Bath team, he definitely wasn't. You know, underperforming. Knowing that this news has probably been locked and sealed for for some time now. You know, he's definitely still trying his best for the best of the blue, black, and white. And, and credit to him. And we'll be sad to see him go. Mm. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, lots of times on this podcast over the last three seasons we've we've cited him as the guy that stood up that's acted as a leader that's um you know shown that he's he's passionate about about the club and if you think when he joined from from Gloucester still very very young um young uh, player at that point he's come on leaps and bounds obviously been involved with with England and you know this season has been on the the bench when we've had everyone available you know Josh McNally has been has been brilliant, and he obviously had the um, the 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 incident with the drink driving, which I you know imagine he kind of 
wants a potentially a fresh start and and to kind of to kind of put that behind him. He's obviously got good friends at at, at Wasps um, who um, he you know he's he spent some time with during that period. So um, well, yeah, Gabriel Ogre is my left. That's yeah, all, that's all. That's all we know. <laughs> <laughs> him that lift. That's why he's going there. Maybe you'll pick him up from bar from Coventry Station. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's really why he's going. I think I, I do look at the lock position. I was having a look, yeah. through, look through the academy, and Ewan Richards is a guy who's who's played a bit this season. Yeah, he's so inexperienced. So well, we're gonna have to recruit. And they they, they let yeah. this slip on the the supporters' yeah. night. They said, "Well, we're in need of a lock, and we're in need of a tight head." And I think Thomas. It'll, I'll be very surprised if he's not um, going to France. And I, I think that we'll be so we're in the market for a tight head prop who, you know, hopefully a big signing there and also a lock. So, and, you know, you look at the Premiership and I think the overall standard outside the top guys of second rows is, is pretty poor. So um, I, I imagine it will be a French or a South African um, <laughs> signing, which wouldn't be the worst thing well, in the world, would it? Speaking of massive Steph to toy. Come on. Speaking yeah. of massive sappers, let's uh, segue beautifully what? onto the sale game um, uh, on, on Friday night at the Rack. Uh, sale, obviously, third in the league. This is pretty annoying, Tom, isn't it? Like, restrictions being eased on Monday. All the other, well, all apart from a couple of the other away teams who agreed to play on the Monday or Tuesday. Sale refused. Pretty annoying as Bath fans that we don't kind of get to see the boys on the weekend when when some clubs are opening their doors. Yeah, so we just mean we get the one home game. I yeah, think, it's Northampton. It? Northampton. Yeah, yeah, that is that they is just came back for the playoffs last year. I think because... maybe they're still maybe they're still bitter. Yeah, I mean, not that that had anything to do with us, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, well, what, what, what do you say that sale then? We've had some good wins against them, haven't we? Mm. Um, we 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 fronted up really well. Uh, against them I think they you know we, we've spoken about this if you compare it to Bristol out and out quality they're, yeah, it's probably similar they're both you know playing pretty well and, and riding a bit of a wave but our chance against Sale is so much higher than it is against Bristol because of the way they play um, they try and win the arm wrestle they try and uh, bash the front door down and and that's that's kind of exactly what, what we want and what we try and do so there's nothing too expansive happening with, with, with Sale they are um, absolute monsters um, in, in in the pack. Um, so we're just going to have to be on our game, you know, win basically um, kick well, I think, as as uh, and kind of pin them back as much as possible, win that territorial game, and then just try and um, arm wrestle our way over when we when we do get close. But Andrew, are we going to be able to arm wrestle our way over, as, as Tom puts it, without Dunn, Abano, definitely both suspended, and Stewart off with a HIA? Surely this is a good opportunity to to maybe try and um, expand our game ever so slightly. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? But I think exactly the point you've made there, it's going to be really tough for us. That's the way they like to play, right? And it depends on whether we can dictate the game and a game that we haven't played all season. Seems unlikely and it probably means we're going to revert to type with just different players and, and players that we know aren't maybe quite at the levels of the guys that are excluded there. So um i think it's you know it's a really good opportunity for you know um oh what's his name uh detroit um to potentially start his first bath game i think he's looked actually pretty decent whenever he's come on so i think that's a good opportunity and i think you know the, the goal of the game just has to be not to give away uh any penalties or any scrums or anything like that really and just just hope for the best um but if you look at last season the, the games are never really thrill thrillers i think there was a was it a six-all and a three-all? Or that might have been the season before. Yeah. 
couple of seasons ago, I think. Yeah, um, so they're, they're never necessarily uh, the best games. It was actually at the six or in the rain on a Friday night. Um, it, was, it was an absolute shocker. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. Look, you know, they've got some amazing players, some big sappers, as you say, and uh, we have to be really careful about how we approach the game if we want to get anything from it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I just had a quick look at the forecast for Friday and it doesn't look great. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe we're not going to see the the, boy, the, the ball through the backs. Uh yeah, I, I hope we do. Um, you know, and Curry Underhill will be be a good, good battle. Presuming Underhill comes back in, and and one guy who will certainly be licking his lips from a a sale perspective is uh, Bevan Rod, the young loose head they've got there, who I've been hugely impressed with. Um, and yeah, with with whoever it will be, if it will be um, Judge or Thomas, I, th- I think he's in for for a big night. Unfortunately, I, I watched them beat Tigers on. On Friday night, and and they're just an impressive team. McGinty's just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just so good. Controls the game, breaks the line when he needs to. So he's a key man, and obviously with with, with the clerk, and so highly motivated uh, this Sale team. Third in third, and you kind of if they win all their games out, obviously one of them is against Exeter. They will get that that home semi final, which will be you know huge for them. So yeah, hugely motivated team, and and kind of I think we saw on on Saturday say maybe the chips start going down you know how how kind of how able a bath going to be to 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 swing that back in, in our favor i think we're in for a, for a bit of a tough night boys yep what a perfect way to end it um andrew thank you so much for for coming on it's been um yeah it's been really great to catch up and i think yeah and a good honest chat there about about the the, the current state of the union so thank you mate no worries thanks for having me And Tom, as always, thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for listening. uh, And make sure, as always, it's pretty thin at the moment. You stick behind the boys through thick and thin.